Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In Romans chapter 8, reading from verse number 28, the Bible tells us, Then we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse of the scripture, Paul the Apostle is beginning to present to the church a series of messages just that is encapsulated in this particular verse of scripture. In this verse of the scripture, Paul is giving the message or giving the church a message of hope and assurance. Say, but we know that God, that all things work together. Is a message of hope, is a message of assurance, a message that tells us that I know that God is able to take care of me. Number two, Paul is giving the church a message of comfort and encouragement. We know that all things work together for good. A message of hope, a message of encouragement, a message of comfort. Number three, Paul is giving a message of divine providence, which means that God takes care of his people. He said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Number four, Paul the apostle is giving not just the message of divine providence, but the message of divine involvement. All things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are called according to his purpose. In other words, when you are involved, God is involved in the affairs of man. That's basically what Paul is trying to say. And finally, Paul is giving the message to the church a message of divine purpose. That as long as you walk in the footsteps of the Almighty God, as long as you walk in his divine purpose, God will make all things to work together for your good. So with this message, Paul is basically saying, no matter what life throws at you, no matter how powerful the enemy you are facing, no matter how devastating the effect upon your life, everything will work out for your good because God takes care of his people. That's basically what Paul is saying. And this may sound very nice, you know, some of you might be saying, well, this sounds nice when you are sitting in church, when you are sitting in your church and you are listening to your messages. But when life, but when you are going through life challenges, when things become very difficult, it is not always easy to see the reality of this verse of the scripture. Some might argue, and it is true. It sounds nice to talk about all things work together for good when everything is going on very well for you. It is nice to talk about, you know, it's easy to say all things work together for good when you are in good health. When your job is in place, your children are doing nice, and everything is going on fine for you. It is nice, it is easy to say that. But when life is, when you are facing life's challenges, when you are going through difficult times, when you have been diagnosed with a devastating virus that seems to be, that seems determined to destroy the whole world, when job is coming to an end, when life is not presenting itself the way you want it presented, it is not very easy to see how all things work together for good. 
When we go to the when we are confronted by an unrelenting every an unrelenting enemy, a formidable enemy that is currently facing the whole world, all things do not always seem to work together for good. Like I said, when you lose your job, when you're sick, you've lost loved ones. All things don't appear to work together for good. At such a time, when there is no work, when things are not going the way you expect it to go, at such a time, you feel that the world is crashing down on you. It appears that your world is spinning out of control. This appears as if they will never get better. In such a time, or if we can just stop long enough to seek the face of the Almighty God in the midst of our battles, we will understand that all things work together for good to them that love God. And Jeremiah understood this when it wrote in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah said, for I know the thought that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. In other words, regardless of what life is throwing your way right now, regardless of the challenges that you are facing right now as an individual, the Bible is saying God has a way of turning things around for your good if you walk if you respond according to his own ways, if you respond accordingly, God has a way of turning things around for our good if we can only respond accordingly. And the question is, how do you respond when life is playing a number on you? How do you respond when life seems and everything seems to be going south? How do you respond when things don't go the way that you have planned? When everything appears to be crashing in on you? When the enemy seems to have opened the windows of hell and they are all targeted against you? How do you respond? The Bible gives us an example in the book of Genesis 37. Genesis 37, the Bible tells the story of a young man called Joseph who had a very, 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 very colorful destiny. The Bible tells us that the Lord gave him a revelation of what his future would look like. And his brothers did not like what they heard. The Bible tells us that Joseph's future was so colorful. His brothers not only hated him because of that particular future, they plotted to get rid of him so that they can abort that future. And so in Genesis 37, reading from verse 27, the Bible tells us that his brother plotted and sold him into slavery. Genesis 37, 27 says, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not hurt him because he's our, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed in verse number 28. The Midianite merchants were passing by. The brothers pulled Joseph out of the system. They sold him to the Ishmaelites for eight ounces of silver. And the Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. And you all know the story if you spent one day or two in, the, uh, in, the, in Sunday school. You've heard the story. How Joseph suffered. In the house of Potiphar. How he was imprisoned through false accusation. How he eventually found his way to the palace of Pharaoh as the prime minister. You see my brothers and sisters. A life with a colorful destiny. A life that has a destination. Will always attract opposition. It will always attract a very relentless enemy. And if you see a life that we, without a formidable enemy, if you see a life that does not have an opposition, I can, it's an indication that that life is not a very attractive life. It's not a very colorful life. If a life is without any meaningful opposition, it is not a very attractive life. And why do I say this? I say this because the enemy does not bother with a colorless life. 
When your life is not going anywhere, when your life is unattractive, the enemy is not bothered with you because he knows you are not going anywhere. The enemy does not bother with a life that has no purpose. The enemy does not bother with a life that has no conviction. The enemy does not bother with a life that does not provoke jealousy or envy from other people. But when your life provokes envy, people look at you and they say, why is this person always shining? Why is it things are different different from you? All of a sudden, all sorts of people start making excuses for their failure and they blame you for their own problems. So when your life is colorful, you will begin to see what you have. You begin to see the enemy, the host of hell will be unleashed. As soon as you see a man that is going somewhere, as soon as you see a man with a mission, a man with a purpose, a man with a conviction, the host of hell will line up to stop it. And that was what happened to Joseph. That was what happened to Joseph. Hell's intention was to stop his dream. The intention of hell was to abort his vision. And hell's plan was to sell him into slavery with the hope that those dreams and those visions will be cancelled. But after many, 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 many years, uh, when the enemy thought that Joseph had become history, the Bible makes us to understand that Joseph showed up. Joseph came face to face with the people that sold him into, into slavery. He came face to face with his brothers uh, that stabbed him in the back. He came face to face with the individuals uh, who tried to abort and kill his vision. And you see, you know the interesting is that God is a God of uh, you know is a, is, a, is a God with a very good sense of humor, very very good sense of humor. You know the future that those people were trying to avoid, the very future they were trying to avoid. This guy told them, he said, "You are going to bow down to me." Whether you like it or not, they are going to bind out to me. They say, we, we will sell into slavery so that that particular bind out will not happen. That very thing that they try to avoid, God in a very interesting, that's why if you read Psalm 2, he said the kings of the earth gather together and the rulers, and they are warned against God, and the Bible said God will laugh at them. God probably was watching the brothers of Jesus. You these guys just don't know Jack. You want to sell this guy? You want to cancel what I found? What I wanted to plan? The future that these guys were hoping to abort, the future they were trying to erase, all of a sudden, that same future was confronting them right in their face. And in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph had the opportunity of confronting these same guys who were trying to erase his own future. In verse number 20, Joseph now told them, he said, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. In other words, Joseph was basically repeating exactly the same thing that Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Joseph was basically saying, And I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. In other words, you try to kill my dream. You try to abort my future, but God took your plan and used that plan to fulfill his own purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. The question is, how does God work all things together for our good? How does he do it? How does God work out, work out our bad situation and transform it for our good? How does God take the plan of our enemy and use that plan to fulfill his own purpose? How does God, you know, how does God take those particular seemingly impossible situation and work it out for your own good and work it out for my own good? For you to understand how God does those things, you need to go back to that anchor verse. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 28 again. Where the Bible says, For we all know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Now I want you to notice how Paul the Apostle phrased each word of that verse of the scripture. Here Paul is basically saying, For all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purpose of God, three things must be in place. Three conditions must be met. And condition number one is that you have to be sure of God's divine providence. You have to be convinced that God takes care of his people. You have to be convinced that God knows how to work things out and he will not allow his people to be hanging. Number two condition Paul said, for God, to, for all things to work together for our good, we must understand and we must have unfailing love for the almighty God. Number three, Paul said, for all things to work together for our good and for us to be able to understand that God will take care of us, there must be a calling and ordering of our lives according to the plan and purpose of God. You know what Paul is saying? You cannot live your life on your own terms and expect all things to work together for your own good. In other words, that is not going to happen. You cannot live your life on your own terms. Dictate your own terms. Live by your own standard. And then expect God to make all things to work together for you. Your life has to be on God's terms. For God to be committed to working things out for your own good. In other words, you have to live on God's terms. You have to live by God's standard. If you want all things to work together for your own good. This means that as long as you love the Lord with all your heart. As long as you are convinced that God takes care of his people. As long as you order your life according to the plan and the purpose of the almighty God. Though things may fall apart. Though things may go the way you don't expect. You are sure that God is able to put all those things together and make them work for you. That is the promise of scripture. That regardless of what is happening. As long as you are convinced of divine providence. As long as you love the Lord. And as long as you are ordering your life according to the basis of the word of God. You are sure, based on the word of God, that God will come through for you. But if you live anyhow, and then you expect God to work things out for your own good, you are in la-la land. You are living, you are deceiving yourself. God is not committed to people who are not committed to him. I can assure you. So I want you to listen to me very, very carefully because I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say. There are three seasons in the life of an individual. There is a season of promise. This is when the Lord God Almighty begins to tell you what he has in store for you. Give you a revelation of what your future holds. Number two season is the season of waiting. This is the period where God begins to work things out for your own good. And then finally is the season of harvest. When you begin to see the materialization of the promise of the Almighty God after the waiting season. Now please understand. There is very little you can do in terms of controlling your period of promise. Your season of promise. Because God is the one that gives the promise. God is the one that determines what he gives to an individual. So there is very little that you can do in the season of your promise. What happened, my brothers and sisters, in your season of harvest is a function of what you do during your waiting season. What happens in step number three is a function of what you do in step number two. What happens in your season of harvest is a function of what you do in your waiting season. So I want you to understand that it is one thing for you to say, I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. 
It's another thing for you to successfully go through the period when God is working all things out for your own good. The period that God is using for to be able to perfect, to be able to mature, to be able to cause his promises to be fulfilled in your life is a very, very delicate period. And what you do in that period determines whether you will see all things work together for your good or you continue to live a life of illusion. Because what happens in the harvest, what happens in the harvest is a function of what you do in the waiting season. Every farmer knows this. Everyone who, is, who has been involved in investments knows this. What you do in the waiting period determines the kind of harvest you get. It is one thing to know that God has a bright future for you. It's another thing to wake up every day as a slave boy and live in the reality of the dream while it has not yet been seen. It is one thing for you to say, this is the promise of the Almighty God for me. It's another thing for you to continue to work out that particular promise on a regular basis. Investing yourself, your time and your resources to making sure that those dreams come to pass. Yes, God has told you that he's going to do good, uh, good things for you. But you still have to live one day at a time until that time when it makes all things work for you. The question this morning is, how do you live your life day by day while waiting for God to work all things out for your good? How do you live that life? How do you survive your waiting period? Because a lot of people miss the promise of God in the waiting period. A lot of people give up in the waiting period. A lot of people mess up their chances of harvest in the waiting period. The question is, how do you survive your waiting period? Because your waiting period is a very silent period. Your waiting period is a time sometimes when the enemy begins to tell you God has forgotten you. Your waiting period is a time of trial when you begin to wonder, did I even hear the voice of God correctly? Are these promises real? Is this the way God is going to abandon me? This is the period where the enemy will bombard your mind with all sorts of doubts and all sorts of questions and all sorts of things that you begin to wonder, are these things real? And the question is, how do you survive your waiting season? Look at Genesis 39. The Bible tells us how Joseph was able to survive his own waiting season. Genesis 39, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight and served him. Then he made him an overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the field, in the house, and in the field. Thus they left all that he had in the hand in Joseph's hand and did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. The question is how did Joseph live a life as a slave boy in Egypt while waiting for God to make good his promises in his life? How did Joseph survive his waiting period? Number one, Joseph survived his waiting period by maintaining his relationship with the Almighty God. 
In other words, he received the promise. The promise is not panning out the way he expected it to pan out. For some reason, he was only living under the protection of his father. And then the other moment, he now became a slave boy in Egypt. The question is, how do you keep from discouragement? How do you keep from being completely disillusioned? How do you keep from giving up on the Almighty God? Joseph made sure that he kept the dream alive. He made sure he was able to survive that waiting period because he maintained his relationship with the Almighty God. The Bible says in verse number 2, he said, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord cannot be with you if you are not in constant communion and constant fellowship with him. Joseph was able to survive his waiting period because he maintained his relationship with the Almighty God. Number two, how did Joseph survive his waiting period? Look at that same number two. The Bible says his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. In other words, Joseph was diligent in his work. There was diligence while he was waiting. A lot of people say, yes, I'm waiting on the Lord to visit me. I'm waiting on the Lord to do X, Y, and Z. And they sit down there and do nothing. But you cannot sit down and do nothing and expect God to multiply his blessings upon your life. You have to be actively engaged. Engaging the promise of the Almighty God by actively doing something that will provide a platform for the Almighty God to bless. Joseph may continue to walk diligently by providing a platform for the Almighty God to walk through. And because of that, his master began to trust him and committed more authority to his hand. And before you know what's happening, that faith grew. And he continued to do that until he ended up in the palace of the king. The point we are making is that Joseph, number one, survived his waiting period by maintaining a good relationship with the Almighty God. And number two, by being diligent in the work of his hands. The question is, are you diligent when you are waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled in your life? Am I diligent as I wait for God to fulfill his dreams, the dreams that he has given unto me or the plans that he has revealed unto me? Am I diligent in service? Am I diligent in prayer? Am I diligent in improving myself in reward that he has committed into my care? Number three, how did Joseph survive his waiting period? Joseph survived his waiting period by applying the gifts of God upon his life and the skills that God has given unto him. In other words, he did not say, well, I have not seen the promise of God fulfilled. As such, I'm going to just sit down. If God wants me to begin to demonstrate my gift, he will give me the platform. Joseph did not say that. The Bible makes us to understand that Joseph, because he was gifted with administration, he was gifted with management, he had the skills to be able to manage people and to coordinate affairs, and he deployed that particular gift in the house of Potiphar. As he began to do these things, the Bible makes us to understand that his cost was in line. Well, he managed the household of Potiphar. When he found himself in prison, he started managing the prison population. Eventually, when he found himself in the palace of the king, he managed the entire nation. The Bible says, see a man who is diligent in his work. He said, he will not stand before me, man. He will stand before kings. The point we are making this morning is that the way you survive your season of waiting is by deploying your gift and making sure you apply your skills. A lot of people are expecting that one day a big position will just appear and then they will come in there and they will become the boss. But if you cannot manage little things, that's what the Bible says. It says, who will commit unto you the treasures of heaven? If you don't know how to manage the little things that you have right now, if you don't know how to coordinate your own affair in your own time right now, it will be extremely difficult for you to be able to do what you need to do. For you to be able to occupy a larger position. It will be very difficult for you to be able to sit 
in higher places of authority. So Joseph survived his season of waiting, number one, by maintaining his relationship, number two, by being diligent in his work, number three, by applying his gifts and skills, number four, by serving faithfully. The Bible said in verse number six, he said he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread that he ate. The point we are making here is this. Joseph, because of his faithfulness, Joseph, because of his goodness, because he was faithfully serving his master, though he was a slave, the Bible says that the master committed everything into his hands. The man was so faithful, he was so trustworthy, that the Egyptian left everything. The Bible says he didn't even know what was in his house anymore, except for the food that he ate. Everything he had, he committed into the hands of Joseph. Simply because he understood and he knew that Joseph was a faithful man. The only way you can survive your season of waiting is to remain faithful. How did Joseph survive? Joseph survived by remaining undefiled. The Bible tells us in verse number 7, And it came to pass in those days that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. In other words, I am responsible. And Joseph was able to survive because Joseph said, I am not going to have myself defiled. I'm not going to corrupt myself either by committing adultery with you or by doing the things that are contrary to the will of God. Joseph went on to say, how can I sin against God? The only way you can survive your waiting season before the Almighty God blows out in your life is for you to remain undefiled. Undefiled in your thoughts, in your words, and in your actions. Because that is the only source of your strength. If Joseph had gone into Potiphar's wife, that vision would have been killed. That dream would have been aborted. He would never have been able to step his foot into the palace of the king. But the Bible told him that he was able to survive the season because he remained undefiled. And finally, Joseph was able to survive his waiting season because he waited patiently. You all know the story. There were two people that came into the prison where he was. He interpreted the dream. The Bible said they forgot about him. In Genesis 41, reading from verse 1, the Bible said, Then it came to pass at the end of two full years, after Joseph had made a revelation for the butler, after two full years, the man forgot about him. Until the day that there was a need for him. Joseph waited patiently. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining before the Almighty God, but he waited patiently during his waiting season. And the only way you can survive your waiting season is to do what? Is to wait patiently. This was how Joseph survived. Joseph survived, number one, by maintaining his relationship. He survived by being diligent at war. He survived by applying his gifts and skills. He survived by serving faithfully. He survived by remaining on the fire. And he survived by waiting patiently. My brothers and sisters, there are many who started this year with a colorful dream. There were many revelations that God gave to you. So many things that the Lord Almighty said he was going to accomplish through you and through me in this particular year. And all of a sudden an enemy struck in the form of a deadly virus. And like Joseph, it appears as if our dreams are being aborted. It appears as if our future remains uncertain. And some of us have lost our jobs. Some of us must have lost the things that God has made available for us. But the Lord is saying for us to be able to survive our season, this particular terrible season, the Lord is saying that we need to be able to follow the example of Joseph. You need to be able to renew your relationship with the Almighty God. You need to be very, very active in the things that you are doing. 
faithfully serving the Almighty God and serving your fellow neighbors. You need to continue to work, to deploy your gift. You need to make sure that you are not corrupted by all the world that is going on up and down right now. You need to make sure that you are not corrupted by the things of this particular world. And you need at the same time to remain patient. Because faithful is he who promised and who will do it. The question is this. Are you, as an individual, are you able to be able to survive the waiting season? One thing I know is this. God is not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should, that he should repent. Whatever he says he will do, he will do. When you look at the condition that we are going through right now, it appears as some of the things that God has spoken, those things will never see the light of day. But just like Joseph, who went into captivity and was willing to wait by maintaining the relationship, by being faithful, by working diligently, by continuing to serve his master faithfully, and by continuing to remain undefiled and be patient in his presence, by doing all those things, he saw the revelation of God fulfilled in his life. The same thing for those of us who are here today. The Lord's word are true. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.